Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. I'm Chrissy Garrison, and I will be reading my science fiction stories to you. The Multiverse Blues, Chapter 7, Phonograph Blues. My spotlight blazed a circle in the middle of the stage that should have been full of hope. The comms fell silent, but other sounds rose around me. First of all, the crowd murmur sharpened, and individual shouts reached my ears, full of irritation, even anger. These people wanted a show, and they wanted it now. I glared out into the dark at the attendees. I wondered how many of them would have sided with the protesters this morning. I wondered how many of those were among the loudmouths calling for hope to perform for them at their whim. Jasmine the cat leapt up onto my console. She yowled at my face, the mournful sound echoing in my ear on the comm channel. What is it, Jazzy? Her eyes peered at me, wide and wild. Her tail stood up and trembled. She jerked her chin back toward the loading dock and our tour bus. Then she jumped down and dashed off in that direction. I stood up, frozen in indecision for a long moment. Dribbler towed his bass drum, starting a low, slow beat that gained momentum. The beats came faster and louder, building. The audience cheered, stoked by the sign of the show starting, and began to clap and stomp along. My gaze shifted from Dribbler to Babs, who stepped into the spotlight and shouted, Good evening, new Louie. How are you doing? They were stalling. I had to take this opportunity to go figure out what had gone wrong. I stuck the big flashlight in my belt and dashed backstage after Jasmine. As I ran, I heard Babs' rich, smoky voice fill the Coliseum with a song in Spanish that I didn't recognize. She accompanied herself on guitar with a catchy blues riff. Dribbler provided a bass beat line and teased with brushes on cymbals. When we emerged onto the loading dock, our bus wasn't there. Our dollies, ropes, tarps, winches, and packing materials lay all around, discarded. Jasmine howled and hissed. I scanned the parking lot, searching the deepening gloom to see what she wanted me to see. Once I saw it, I couldn't figure out how I'd missed it. Out beyond the entry arch, La Esperanza wove around the gravel lot surrounding the Coliseum, spraying stones and dust in its wake. An improbable machine pursued our tour bus. To my eyes, it looked like a stagecoach with two tall, jointed, mechanical legs. It ran like a giant ostrich. Each of its hopping steps covered the length of a Honda Civic. Smoke or steam belched out from a chimney on top, and someone hung out the window with a bell-muzzled rifle. Was that a musket? Something like ball lightning arced out from the end of the rifle and sizzled through the air. Electric tendrils exploded across the bus's metal skin. La Esperanza shuddered and the engines whined, but it kept rolling. Boom, boom, boom came the amplified thunder of Dribbler's bass drum, echoing off the insides of the Coliseum behind me. Someone popped out of the hatch on top of the tour bus. The crack of a proper rifle shot fired back at the mechanical monstrosity. A groan came from below. I tore my eyes from the unfolding drama between La Esperanza and the strange assault vehicle. Marcy lay sprawled among the equipment and materials, half covered by a padded tarp. I jumped down from the loading dock and called her name. Ms. Davenport! Marcy! Are you okay? Jasmine bounded over to Marcy and licked her face a few times. 
Marcy moaned and rolled her head to gaze at me, eyes unfocused. Jules? Why? Why did you do it? Relieved but confused, I shook my head. I had to come see what happened after the shouting on the comms. Babs is stalling on stage. She closed her eyes and opened them and focused on me this time. Not that. I mean, this. You know. She made a vague, hammering motion with one hand. Then she frowned. But you're not a girl, are you, Jules? What? No, not a girl. I'm just me. What are you talking about? What's with the giant steampunk robot thing out there? What happened to Coliseum Security? She tried to rotate her head around to watch the chase going on out in the lot. More gunshots rang out. She looked back at me and said, Thought you'd know. Guess I'm seeing things. Those guys ran when the portal opened. Almost don't blame them. Jasmine yelled again, and I looked at her. Right, first things first. Let's see what we can do to help. Hold tight, Miss Davenport. Marcy pulled the tarp over her like a drunk nursing a hangover. I scooped up some tie-down straps and ratchets and began to work on the archway. The bus and the ostrich coach disappeared from view. I called out on the comms, Harlan, you there? The crack of a rifle reported over the comm before I heard it echo from somewhere out around the bend of the Coliseum. Harlan shouted, Kinda busy here, y'all. I kept my voice calm and even. Can you come on back to the loading dock? Harlan growled, Could do, but I don't think I feel like getting trapped just now. I've got an idea. Best be a damn good idea. Trust me? Fine. See you soon. Best be ready. One end securely tied, I played the straps across the width of the arch, daisy chained together with ratchets. I looped this end around the other side of the big steel and concrete archway. I stopped short of pulling it tight, letting the straps lay slack in the dust. Harlan called out over the comms to let me know they were coming around. I pulled out my flashlight and stood in the middle of the archway. I switched it to setting two, the high beam, and swung it back and forth in the dusty air like a small searchlight. The bus barreled into view and turned so hard towards me I thought it might tip over. Instead, the back end fishtailed around, and I found myself in the way of a rather large bus. It grew closer every second. Its engines thrummed in time with my pounding heartbeat. I held the flashlight straight up, illuminating my face from below as I timed my next move. The bus loomed larger and louder, and I took a gasping breath and leaped to one side, rolling on my shoulders to spring up in a crouch just to one side as it roared past me. The bus's brakes screamed as gravel churned beneath its tires as it approached the loading dock much too fast. I left that for Harlan and hoped to figure out. As the back end of the bus revealed the ostrich coach, I used setting three on my flashlight, the laser, to sight on the front windows of the coach. A woman in a dusty leather coat and hat hung out the side and took aim at me with a bell-muzzled rifle. Then I switched the big flashlight to setting four. The light of a noonday sun blasted out of the hefty flashlight in my hands. I gripped the handle tighter, as though the power of the beam could arrest the handle from my grasp. The light splashed off of the front of the assault vehicle, and it wobbled. The whole scene plunged into eye-dazzled darkness as time ran out on setting four. The thing creaked, groaned, and swayed in such a way that made me fear for my life. 
I had to dodge out of the way of the giant metal feet as they slammed down where I'd stood only a moment before. For another terrible moment, I feared the blinded driver might somehow slam on the brakes, bringing the thing to a halt, ruining my plan. But Newton was on my side, and the thing's momentum kept it careening forward, clawed feet thudding into the gravel, perhaps scrabbling to slow, but too late. I shuffled it sideways out of its way and backed up. I kicked my toe under the strap, lifted it up to my chest, and hauled its length aloft, the other end held fast by the archway. One terrifying foot lifted up and the straps caught it in mid-stride. The walking machine swayed and lurched forward. With a terrible metal groan, it lost its footing and came crashing down, face-planted into the gravel below. My ears ached from the tremendous cacophony. A fire broke out in an instant, the sense of kerosene and campfire accompanying a wave of heat that washed over me. On the other side of the growing inferno, Harlan dashed from the open backside of the tour bus right into the disaster. He still carried his rifle and also dragged a tarp behind him as he ran. Despite my fear of flames and potential explosion, I ran towards him, and as we converged, a figure crawled from the wreckage. The woman who'd been firing the strange weapon hunched under the, her thick coat as she crawled away. One leg dragged behind her at a disturbing angle, and I decided it must be broken. Harlan grabbed one of her arms and yelled at me over the roar of the fire. Help me! I took her other arm and we dragged her away from the wreckage as fast as we could. The cool night air of Gamma Earth caressed my face and filled my lungs. Woof! The rest of the ruined vehicle's fuel went up in a massive yellow-green plume of flame. The concussion knocked us all to the ground. My head swam as if in a dream, and I lost track of my bearings and time for more than a few seconds. When I came to myself again, the woman stood on one foot above me, and with a shock, I knew her face. In my confusion, all I could stutter out was, It's... it's you! What are you doing? Then I saw that she held an odd sort of pistol in her hand. It ended in a wide bell, just like her sci-fi musket head. I thought sure she'd do me in right then, but instead, she turned away from the fire and pointed the gun outwards, and an intensely bright blue fireball spun out to hover a few feet away. The ball widened and expanded into an electric blue oval, like a standing mirror. In the middle of the oval was another world. Sunlight shone through the hole in space, and the woman stumbled towards it. Stop! Wait! called Harlan, struggling to get up on all fours. She hopped through the portal and turned to give me a weak smile. We'll meet again, I promise you. Before Harlan or I could get to our feet, the portal irised down to a painful point of light, which winked out. Harlan and I stared at each other, catching our breath. I stammered, Harlan, that was, I mean, it wasn't, but, but it was. Harlan's eyes were grim as he nodded. Yep, I reckon that was you, Jules. And I know where she's from, too. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places.
Hello, podcast addicts and curious listeners. Dr. Galvanic's Odd Tales is a narrated podcast with dark, thrilling and mysterious stories. In each episode, Dr. Galvanic's Odd Tales will take you through the mysteries of the Australian outback, lead you into a remote corner of the galaxy, or it will accompany you through a mind-bending nightmare. You can find Dr. Galvanic's Odd Tales on Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Subscribe to the show so you won't miss another episode. See you out there. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.